It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. First, my thanks to colleague Barry O'Mahony, who has been presenting Farm Talk for the past two years and continues to be associated with the programme. Amongst the items in this programme, plus some updates, will be animal health issues. But first, the possible impact of the tragedy in the Ukraine on commodity prices here. Welcome, Miss Anne Finnegan, Irish Farmers Journal policy analyst and welcome to the program. Thank you John and it was just to say at the outset you know my thoughts and the thoughts of my colleagues at the Irish Farmers Journal are with the people of Ukraine at this time and and the devastation that they're going through and I suppose what we will talk about um, now does pale in comparison to that Um, but yeah look I suppose we're we're right in at the start of a huge amount of volatility um, emanating from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I suppose just to put in context, you know, why it's important for agriculture and for farming, um, taken together, the UK and Russia are significant exporters onto the world's grain market. They account for 30% of global wheat exports, 30% of global barley exports, and 20% of corn. And they're actually the, the leading growers of sunflower seeds, and they produce or they export 65% of sunflower oil onto the world market. So very significant contribution to world markets. And I suppose as we stand, the volatility in grain markets is really driven by that uncertainty and concern that there'll be a lack of availability from Ukraine and Russia um, in the season ahead and even beyond that. Um, and I suppose, look, you know, the, re- the real brass tacks are... You know, we don't know what impact the conflict on the ground will have on the production season in Ukraine. They're heading into spring planting now. Um, and will they be able to finance that? And, and, and will farming be financed in Ukraine? And then the second question, which is becoming clearer now, um, I think, around the availability of grain from Russia has really, um, I suppose, you know, held over the markets as well. But I mean, I think, you know, in the past 24 hours, 
any concerns we had um, around um, exports from Russia um, or considerations that we had that some level of exports would continue just seemed to be um, way more diminished in the past 24 hours. So the financial financial sanctions are one um, element. And, you know, depending on who you spoke to, um, people would say they did give some uh, capacity for trade continuity. They didn't, for example, um, hit the energy sector. All banks weren't included in the financial sanctions. But what we've seen now is um, enterprises and businesses, international companies all across the world, have pulled their business from Russia. So the leading shipping companies um, stopped their their freight carriage by air, by rail and by sea, and largely closed it all down into Russia. Um, the energy companies have all pulled out. Um, and that's continuing, and, and it's continuing at speed, and we're going to continue to see that. So at this point, um, it does seem quite unlikely that trade in any meaningful way between Western countries and Western businesses and Russia will continue in any form. And the question is, do other countries um, ally with uh, Russia for economic trade? such as Brazil, China or India, and we just don't know um, where that will be. So that's one side of it. I suppose you rightly spoke to the other side, being fertiliser and our um, dependence on Russian fertiliser. Again, they're the largest exporter um, of fertiliser in the world. They account for 25% of global nitrogen, 16% of global phosphate and 20% of global potash. Um, And Obviously, by virtue of the fact that um, Europe is adjacent to Russia, um, we we get about 25% of our fertiliser in Europe, uh, typically from Russia. So again, um, you know, we've seen fertiliser prices trade higher over the past week. I think last Thursday, uh, urea prices were at about $651 per tonne. That's up to $850 a tonne as of yesterday. Um, so the concern again is around availability of fertilizer on the world market and what uh, impact closing Russia off to trade uh, will, will do to the world market. And the gas um, flow into Europe um, is also key because natural gas is the key input in nitrogen fertilizer. It accounts for 80% of the cost. So anything that compromises gas supply or drives gas price higher will have a consequent impact on European nitrogen produced prices. So taken in the whole, I think we are facing the prospect of increased prices at farm level. Most immediately, and my colleagues are looking at it this week in the, in the Farmer's Journal, um, is the question around availability of fertiliser for um, April and May and getting stocks and sufficient stocks into the country so that we have sufficient grass um, for our dairy and beef sectors and our sheep sector and that we also go into um, next winter with uh, sufficient um, forage. So that's the most immediate consideration. Um, And then obviously higher grain prices will translate into higher animal feed, probably has less of an impact in the Irish context. And some people would argue that it's possibly a benefit for for Irish um, livestock sectors. Um, 
but it would have a huge impact on obviously on the non-ruminant sectors, the pigs and poultry, and on uh, livestock sectors across Europe. Um, and then uh, the energy, the escalation in energy prices, we are going to see filtering down into everything else. So all manufactured project products. Um, that consume energy and if they have to consume that energy at higher prices, uh, you know, could translate into uh, increased prices for agrochemicals, for building equipment, for machinery and so on. Um, And right across commodities, it isn't just the agricultural commodities and energy commodities, but all of the commodities in which um, Russia is a leading exporter really are um, soaring at this point in time. so we can't be precise about, um, I suppose, the magnitude of um, price increases. But I think at this stage, we're, we're reasonably clear that we are heading into a period of um, farm cost inflation. Um, and energy prices, obviously, um, will, will, will be a significant part of that on farm as well. Um, and and then in terms of availability of the fertilizer, I think it's going to take a little bit of time before we understand how the market, you know, balances. Um, and even things like, you know, what additional capacity around the world exists and can be brought on stream. I think in time, all of those things will work out um, and we won't have an, a true understanding of the balance um, that will bring us into next season. Um, so a lot there, John, I think, in, in terms of the range of impacts um, that, that farmers are facing in the face of this war. Things like slurry, they will assume a new value. They will, John. And my colleagues have been looking at this over the past number of weeks. Siobhan Walsh has been looking at, uh, at slurry testing and estimating value of what's in your slurry in terms of um, the nutrient component of it. Um, and I would just advise your listeners to, to, to keep tuned to um, the Irish Farmers Journal. Um, in the paper this week, my colleagues on the technical side will be looking at what farmers can do to manage the impact with inside their farm gate. But even if the Russians wished to export all the things we need here in the West, increasingly shipping companies and uh, other means of transport, they are refusing to deal with uh, Russia. You know, part of that is driven by cost as well. And we are here, um, I, I don't have a great understanding of the shipping industry, but talking to analysts certainly over the past day or two, they are talking about higher insurance costs. Um, even going into the Baltic Sea, um, but I think absolutely the industry has has um, has supported, I suppose, the, the the wider Western descent for this war and uh, um, and has made a stand. So it's 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 almost trumped the the financial sanctions um, in the sense that it, it was taking an, an amount of time to get those implemented and to have the uh, the legal basis for those. Um, put in place, um, but businesses have moved ahead of that. Your colleagues will be focusing more on the alternatives uh, to supplies which now may be limited or cut off coming from Russia, etc. Before we'd arrived in this situation, um, you know, we'd already seen um, high prices for fertiliser and, and I think farmers were already looking at the most efficient use of their fertiliser and um, have done a range of 
work in that regard as well. Ultimately, restriction in nitrogen will impede grass growth, um, and I think we would all have concerns about what that would mean uh, if we did if we did end up in that situation. We obviously commiserate again, as you've done at the start of our conversation, and we commiserate with the people on the ground in the Ukraine and those who are leaving the Ukraine and all of those involved in uh, having to leave their homes which have been destroyed or bombed, etc. But Anne, thank you very much indeed for speaking to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Thanks, John. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr TJ Marr. He's the IFA National Animal Chair. So TJ, welcome to the programme. A press release on February the 24th. More must be done to maintain farmer access to essential veterinary medicines. And that statement, of course, it refers to the e-regulations. So what changes, what modifications do you think should be made, would you suggest, which would make it uh, more acceptable to your members? Well, I suppose the background here is uh, the new vet med regulations came into force on the 1st of January, and there are tighter controls uh, around the administration and holding of antibiotics on farms. But at this time of the year, which is probably the busiest time in breeding farms, uh, we have agreements negotiated after some long negotiations with the Department of Agriculture that farmers would be allowed to hold important medicines on their farm. Uh, for example, anti-inflammatories, which may need it around calving time, for and penicillin for lambing uh, anti- or milking cow tubes for cows that get mastitis where you need immediate treatment. Um, these are in large quantities of medicine but enough so to ensure that the farmer is able to treat an animal until such time he can make consultation and work with his veterinary surgeon. And we have agreements reached with the Department of Agriculture on this. Uh, It came to our attention in the last 10 days or so that not all vets were aware of this change uh, and amendment to the regulation that we had negotiated. So uh, we have advised the department uh, to ensure that all vets uh, are aware of this. Now, to be fair large percentage of our vets are doing exactly this, and we welcome that. And the veterinary surgeon is a crucial part of the farm business, particularly at the springtime, and everyone is busy. So it is critical that everyone is operating on the same playing field. And we think that's, that is a critical um, piece of agreement that we need for farmers to ensure that they get through the busy spring period without undue and unnecessary expense as well as stress. So that's certainly progress. TJ, you're reporting progress there, and you want to make sure that all of the vets are aware of this and uh, to see it fully implemented. And, of course, in place we have the NVPS uh, situation and uh, other systems to try and ensure this um, set of EU regulations are implemented without causing uh, damage or hardship to the farmers, your members. Yes, well, the National Veterinary Prescription System, NVPS, is being established by the Department of Agriculture and is being rolled out around the country. Now, it was to be ready for the 25th of January. It wasn't ready, so it's been piloted now in specific uh, veterinary practices in different regions. Um, the Minister uh, for Agriculture um, made a, under under considerable... Uh, pressure from ourselves and other groups uh, has postponed the full implementation of the regulation, which effectively uh, made antiparasitics uh, had to comply with the full um, uh, prescription system as on the 1st of January, and that's now delayed until the 1st of June. So two things are now happening uh, around that whole area. The the Department of Agriculture is attempting to see how the new system will work with vets on the springtime busy period 
uh, and attempting to evolve its uh, licensed merchants, uh, chemists, all registered on the system for the 1st of June to ensure the system can work. Uh, but we have a number of issues that we are hoping to have addressed around this. Obviously, this national veterinary prescription system is essentially an online system uh, which has the possibility of, of presenting a paper and online system, which will uh, allow a huge amount of detail and information to be recorded and con uh, regulated by the department. Now, we have been assured by the department this is uh, going to be for their use only, but, however, we have some concerns that there aren't tight enough controls in play yet. And um, they, As we all know, data in the modern world is a key resource, and we certainly would have a lot more work to do to ensure that we're ready for the system to roll properly on the 1st of, January, uh, 1st of June rather, for that system. However, the complication within the system around uh, the antiparasitics uh, and how their, anti their prescription systems will work has yet to be fully worked out. Uh, previously, uh, antiparasitics, or cattle doses, sheep doses more commonly known, didn't need a prescription to be purchased and could be bought uh, over the counter from your vet uh, from a licensed merchant who had to have a specifically responsive trained person or a prescribing chemist. <clears throat> they were changed to antimicrobial categorization on the 1st of January, but with the allowance of having a 12-month prescription. So in other words, your vet can consult with you during the year, provide a prescription, and you can fill that prescription any time over the 12 months for your, for your requirements. Uh, how this system is going to work uh, and enable fair supply of uh, doses for farmers around the country still remains unsolved and we have called for further consultation with the department and all the stakeholders, licensed merchants, chemists uh, who operate in the animal sector to ensure that everybody can still continue to supply because <clears throat> the reality is these products were sold um, in a large percentage by independent merchants, uh, by co-ops by chemists prescribing rather than through veterinary practices. So there is, go there, there is the potential for a huge distortion to the market, certainly the possibility of greater costs uh, being exposed on farmers. And given the year we're in where everything appears to be going up at an extraordinary level, this is something we're anxious to ensure we can control. So I think there is a lot of work to be done on that, and we will certainly keep farmers and your listeners brief to further changes here. We fully appreciate that, TJ. And, of course, we have to really acknowledge that the Minister did take the opportunity of having a practical look at the antiparasitic products and said, well, OK, it can be argued and we'll defer the implementation of the prescribing requirement for antiparasitic products till June of this year, 2022. So whereas you're looking now to cross the T's and dot the I's, as they might say in the old days, Nonetheless, you are in a situation where the Minister has shown he is taking a practical approach if he can be convinced that, you know, a certain measure ought to be tuned, uh, you know, more tuned in, and, of course, all in conjunction with implementation of e-regulations aimed at uh, avoiding excessive AM or antimicrobial resistance. Yeah, obviously, given the the issues we've had in the country and human health for the last number of years with the, with the whole COVID pandemic, uh, antimicrobial resistance has certainly come to the fore. And, and, and to be fair, uh, farmers have been to the forefront in managing the problem within the agricultural sector as well. Although it has to be said, there, there still is very little 
key evidence uh, of antimicrobial resistance playing a huge part among uh, farmed animals having a direct uh, relatable transfer onto humans. However, we have to, and we are seeing far greater control of what would be called critically important uh, drugs. Like an example, here, some of your clients would be used to would be the likes of Marabasil, uh, um, which is an important drug, which is also used, a, a, a similar product is used in human medicine. So those products are certainly being used in a far more sparing way. And, and obviously, as a part of all that education program, um, vaccinations uh, are being rolled out in farms in a gr- far greater scale and, to be fair, a considerable expense to farmers because the, the, the motto is almost uh, with an, human and animal health, prevention is far better than cure. And certainly the development and the rollout of vaccination programs is a key part of all this. But it does come a significant expense to the farmer. But this has to be seen as part uh, of the overall change in animal health management. But it, it has to be done in a sensible fashion. And, and incidentally, as part of our ongoing uh, efforts to reduce costs for farmers, we continue to seek the removal of VAT on animal vaccines, and as a, first of all as a way of encouraging usage, and second of all as a way of reducing the overall expenditure. Because like all diseases, once you use vaccinations, you are in effect front-loading um, the expense in the hope of saving money down the road. So I think it's critical that farmers are allowed to do that. But look, farmers are willing and we play an important part in the One Health programme in ensuring that antimicrobial resistance is tackled in a fair way across all sectors and have an active role and will continue to play an active role in that whole area. But obviously the whole area of antiparasitics is the one that remains to be solved. The Minister, as you said, made a sensible decision. The key point is is the dosing period effectively will be beginning from the 1st of June or maybe a bit earlier, depending on the year. So it is critical that there's early... Thank you, TJ. Mr. TJ Moore. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Animal Health Committee Chair. 
Timmerig will hold their annual ploughing match on tomorrow's Sunday, 6th of March, weather permitting, on the lands of John and John Michael Foley, letter column Timmerig, opposite the GA pitch. Ploughing will commence at 11am sharp. Entries are to be with Kieran Kehan on the following number, 87 616 by 12 noon today, Saturday, 5th of March. That number, 087-616-5600. Vodafone Business has teamed up with Dairy Gold and local Cork dairy farmer Sean O'Sullivan to install the cloud-based platform MyFarmWeb at his 280-hectare Elm Hill Farm. The application uses IoT sensors to capture real-time data and has been designed to create time and cost savings while ensuring more sustainable and profitable farm production. One of two farms owned and managed by Mr Sullivan near Douglas in Cork, Elm Hill, was selected for the pilot project along four other European farms in Germany, Italy and Spain. Since installation, the platform has provided valuable data in relation to soil classification, soil chemical analysis, soil microlife and leaf analysis. Additionally, an IoT microclimate weather station was also installed on Sean's farm to help him determine the correct time to spray and fertilise his fields. This established significant efficiencies in terms of time and a reduction in unnecessary travel for Sean, but has also led to better grass production, which in turn benefits the yield and ultimately benefiting the cow. The platform will be instrumental for the future of agriculture in Ireland by providing data-driven decision-making while enabling sustainable growth for farms across the country. Farm owner Sean O'Sullivan commented on the difference the app has made to his farm. He said, In the past, I haven't been a big user of technology, but I'm always looking for new ways to save time and do things more efficiently. With the introduction of my farm web, however, I have already seen the significant difference it has made to the running of my farm. And that's about Vodafone Business teaming up with Dairy Gold, our sponsor, and local dairy farmer Sean O'Sullivan to install the cloud-based platform MyFarmWeb at his 280-hectare Elm Hill Farm. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, has announced that the UTP Unfair Trading Practices Enforcement Authority, EA, has launched an online survey to allow primary producers to inform the EA about any UTP unfair trading practice-related issues they face within the food supply chain. The survey will explore whether the buyers that producers supply are treating them fairly and lawfully in compliance with UTP regulations. And the Minister of Agriculture, Mr McConlogue, has urged food business operators and agri-food exporters to continue preparations and make the necessary arrangements in good time to meet the new UK import control requirements, which will apply on a phased basis during this year, starting from 1st of July. The ICSA has called on the Minister to issue fertiliser vouchers to the value of €2,000 to offset spiralling costs. Commenting, ICSA Rural Development Chair Tim Farrell said, We have made this request in response to the unprecedented increase in fertiliser prices over recent months. It has become a cost that farmers cannot be expected to bear alone. He said the ICSA is recommending that a voucher be made available to farmers who can show their farming enterprises required the purchase of fertiliser in 2021. Vouchers should be payable at a rate of 50% of the total fertiliser bill 
for 2021 to a maximum of €2,000. Mr Farrell said a voucher system is now the only way to assist farmers with the purchase of fertiliser. He went on to say the ICSA does want to see the suspension of anti-dumping import duties. However, he said we could not wait for the EU to make a decision on this. Farmers do not have time to wait. They need support now, and any aid that's given to farmers must have an immediate impact. And therefore, the call for a €2,000 fertiliser voucher has been made by the ICSA. A comment there from the ICSA Rural Development Chairman, Mr Tim Farrell. And the ministers launched a parasite control strategy for bovine and ovine farmers within the existing Targeted Advisory Service for Animal Health, TASAH, TASA, under the RDP 2014-2020, to support farmers in their response to the anti-parasitic challenge. Mr McConluke said anti-parasitic resistance is a major challenge to the health of animals in the country and can impact on the profitability of farms. Recent analysis carried out by Chagosk and published in 2020 found worrying levels of resistance to antiparasitic medicines on farms in the study. Following the publication of a letter from scientists questioning data on the health impacts of red meat, IFA President Tim Cullinan has written to the editor-in-chief of The Lancet in the UK, the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, the EU Commission, the United Nations, and the World Health Organization, WHO, asking that the questions raised by the scientists about red meat be addressed. He said these key policy-making agencies who are responsible for public health guidelines must address the scientific questions raised about a study which attempts to demonise red meat. The IFA president went on to say the data in question from Global Burden of Disease of 2019 has since been cited in 635 documents, 351 scientific papers and nine policy documents. He said the questions raised by the scientists in The Lancet must be addressed urgently by the original authors and policy makers affecting policy in general. The scientists, he said, had been fighting a long battle to have their concerns published by The Lancet. There must now, he said, be a response from the global burden of disease to address the problem. If this is not forthcoming, then policy-making agencies must disregard a study and revisit any policies which were influenced by it. So far, the IFA leader said, it appears the original authors of the Global Burden of Disease, based in the US, had declined to properly address the scientific questions raised by the scientists, which include Professor Alice Stanton and Professor Patrick Wall from Ireland. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President Dermot Kelleher believes there's now a need to rethink the European Union's vision in a meeting with Tornister Leo Varadkar, a Minister of State, Martin Hayden, taking place at government buildings. He said recent years had seen Brussels led by what he called grandiose visions, while the economic and social impact on rural communities had been allegedly sidelined or brushed under the carpet. Dermot Kelleher said... He is now emphasising the need to remember what Ireland's vital national interests are. Tragically, he said, we'd seen the dangers of relegating security to a secondary consideration. We had seen that allowing the European Union and the West of the world to be so vulnerable on energy security 
that is at least partly to blame for making Putin feel invincible. It's clear, he said, our focus must shift to food security, energy security, and the security of the EU in broad economic and social terms. Mr. Kelleher stressed the ICSA was not against the EU Green Deal, but he said we must be careful not to put the cart before the horse. A Green Deal without food security is a disaster waiting to happen. Equally, ICSA were not against the EU biodiversity strategy, but they were very opposed to losing large amounts of land to designation and undermining of food production capabilities. Nor, he said, are we against the EU farm-to-fork strategy, but Ireland cannot stand back and allow our meat sectors be sold out in favour of fake burgers, which he said would benefit Silicon Valley investors at the expense of Irish primary producers. The ICSA president said his organisation is in favour of renewable energy. The ICSA president said his organisation is in favour of renewable energy, but it's time to make sure that Irish and EU farmers are helped to deliver more energy security in biogas, biofuel and solar. The chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee, Mr Des Morrison, has welcomed the announcement by the Department of Agriculture that calves born after 1st of July 2021 will be eligible for inclusion in the 2022 Dairy Beef Calf Scheme. He said the announcement was made following a meeting on foot of repeated lobbying by the ICMSA, the farm organisation, he said, which had most actively sought and outlined the scheme could function. Des Morrison said that while the decision around what he described as retro-eligibility was not hugely significant in itself, it did show the department was listening and seems committed to the ICMSA's argument that the scheme could become a real option if properly funded and with a reasonable headage payment per calf. Next in our programme, Mairead Tuig with an update on Macra Affairs. Hi John, it's Maria Tier, Shandoon PRO and Balancholic PRO. Best of luck to Bantir, Barry Rowe and Dunamore in the Capers National Final tonight. It takes place in Capaquin Community Centre in Waterford, so best of luck to all involved. Kinsale Macra's 5k wellbeing walk is on Sunday, March 13th from 12 midday at Kinsale Community School. Donations are in aid of Kinsale Youth Support Services. Everyone is welcome to that. Avondue Macra's ball takes place at Springford Hall on the 26th of March. Tickets are on Sunday now for that. Carberry Mocker will host a dinner dance on Saturday, April 2nd at the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. It gets underway from 7pm and there will be a three-course meal, dancing and plenty of crack. Miss Mocker is set to return this year after restrictions meant the last two festivals had to be cancelled. The festival will take place over the August Bank Holiday weekend and it will be the 50th anniversary. You can keep an eye on our social media pages to see what we're up to and new members are always welcome. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Maraid. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Lane Giles, ASAP advisor with Chagas. First of all, Lane, welcome to the programme. Now, turning to water and your particular area of interest and responsibility, what condition are our waters in currently, would you say? Uh, well, currently we, we have a, we have a wide, wide variety of um, categories, I suppose, of, of water in across across West Cork here. Um I suppose we typically they, they're known they're understood to be to be within three uh, five different statuses. You know, you have poor, moderate, good, high, and high status. Um, and uh, so currently we have um, 
we have objectives, I suppose, to meet for the river basin management plan um, by the end of 2027. And those that have been at, that have been at high status, that hopefully we can get them to um, recover that high status again. That's one objective group. And the second objective is for those that are not at high status to maintain their good status or to reach good status by 2027. Currently, we have about half of our water bodies reaching that standard. You know, so we have a, a lot of work to do really to to to, to gain that that um, good and high status for all our water courses uh, throughout the country, not just West Cork, throughout the country. What would some of the main factors be which affects the water quality in our rivers and lakes, Elaine? Uh, well, the main factors, I suppose, we have pressures. What are considered to be pressures on the environment from um, from different sources. I suppose there's pressures from from. Uh, uh, waste, wastewater treatment systems from urban wastewater there's pressures from forestry uh, pressures from agriculture um, from you know domestic um, septic tanks you know there's lots of different pressures that, uh, that can that uh, can result in we say a lower status of water than it should be um, so there's lots of reasons for for that to to, to be the case as well you know what progress are we making in areas for action under the ASAP program currently in the rest of the county in West Cork? Well, we're actually making good progress in these areas. You know, we have 11 areas, I suppose, identified as um, areas for action in West Cork at the, at the moment, and um, we're working in about nine of those 11, and uh, we're seeing progress, good progress in these areas. You know, across the country, the, the analysis is that um, within the areas for action, the water quality is improving. Outside of these areas for action, the water quality is actually disimproving slightly. So it's um, that's 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 the uh, that's showing benefits to the, uh, of the of, of the input I suppose of, of the advisory team and that's you know. What would water quality here in Ireland have to do with the good price we receive overseas for our food produce? You know, the the export market for food. What influence would uh, a good record of high water quality here in Ireland impact on the prices we get for our food abroad? Um, well, that's the, the two things are very closely related. In actual fact, um, those are buying our produce from from abroad, um, you know, are watching, are buying it with environmental credentials. Um, the environment, environmental credentials include water quality, you know, biodiversity, and climate change. As well, they're the three things that are being looked at typically. And uh, where does Ireland stand in these areas? And um, so, water quality is very measurable in that sense. And uh, who pay extra for products that come from this country uh, uh, to sell in their country, you know, we, we, in order to sell it, and be able to pay the high price for it, uh, they need to see that it's um, it's coming and can be produced in an environmentally friendly manner. Uh, water quality is a kind of a clear indication of this. It's um, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of metrics involved, a lot of ways of measuring this, and it's it's, it's quite. Um, the science is quite revealing in that sense, you know. So for for people who want to investigate these things, the information is there. And, um, you know, the people who will be interested in these things typically are those that are buying produce out of this country. Uh, we, we, we export a lot of our produce ab- abroad. Maybe if, if our beef livestock, nine out of every ten go abroad. Um, that's just to mention one product. Uh, a large proportion of our dairy produce goes abroad. So it's important for us to keep our water quality good in, in Ireland to, to keep these markets um, against competition from other countries that, you know, are also going to be promoting their their environmental credentials, so to speak. Now, farmers, of course, they would be the group who can most influence water quality. Farmers as a group, what can they do 
to protect our waters, some of the key things to consider when farmers go about their daily business when we talk about retaining that good water quality we have in many, many of our rivers and lakes? Well, what it comes down to in, in my mind is that um, as farmers, you know, farmers care for their machinery, they care for their, their crops, they care for their cattle, and um, they're mindful of these things, you know, uh, in their in their daily work, you know, if the health of an animal is showing symptoms of any kind, they go about it because their their livelihood depends on the, on the produce of this animal. And uh, so I've been trying to think that, um, you know, water quality is going to come to the fore. Maybe it's already at the fore, but it's... it's um, going to become more so and um, farmers need to be mindful of the health of their of their streams and, and that and you know this this can be looked up quite easily nowadays on, on, a, on a website called catchments.ie and to look up um, the, the quality of the, your own water course and uh, to see you know what are the, the factors that are likely to influence us in terms of um, its health you know the nutrients involved what what what, what is your land vulnerable is it vulnerable to nitrogen loss or to phosphate loss you know, is it vulnerable to sedimentation? Um, these different areas, these can be checked out there. Um, so um, there's, there's, um, it's a, it's a different approach that needs to be taken. Water being, being, uh, you know, a factor on farms which needs to be considered and uh, uh, looked after, just as you look after an animal or you look after a crop. Looking at the tillage sector, how can tillage farmers mitigate against nutrient losses to waters at this time of the year? Uh, well, t- tillage farmers are, are, I suppose, if they're, you know, they're top dressing winter crops, I suppose, uh, maybe, and they might be um, preparing to plant spring crops. And, you know, a lot of losses occur in the, in the process of, um, of tilling. Um, land becomes vulnerable to sediment loss um, when it's, when it's ploughed. And when there's no crop on it to protect it, and uh, so one of the things farmers can do there is to delay their tilling closer to the, the time of sowing, so that the crop is the field is actually bare for a very short time. And uh, this also reduces the loss of, um, you know, carbon dioxide from the ground, and uh, you know it, it keeps the it keeps the organic matter a little bit stronger in it as well. Um, so it'll be important to keep that that time frame pretty close together of those two activities. And uh, I suppose in the longer term, uh, growing crops, uh, you know, the cover crop is an important thing, uh, which, you know, protects it over the wintertime, mops up the excess nitrogen that's, that's, you know, is there from the previous crops uh, that can get lost to watercourses through leaching and that. And, uh, you know, these, these cover crops have a, have a major role to play in, in, in the improvement of soil and in the, uh, the protection of, of, of water. And um, so between that and, I suppose, the, the timing of... Um, uh, nutrients going on, nutrients just to go on uh, as crops demand them. Um, you know, this will be a thing of the future. I, I do think somewhat more so that will be put on as required, and uh, certainly at the cost of it. It's, uh, it's a thing farmers need to be watching very carefully. When do, when do their crops need nutrients so that nothing less is lost to the environment? Because when nutrients are washed out of the soil, they're lost to, lost, uh, to the farmer's pocket as well. So it's very important just to apply when the crop can uptake those nutrients at the various stages of growth and, uh, you know, to, to avoid the sediment loss because typically what's lost off the field um, is the best part of the land and actually, in fact, it carries, that sediment is carrying is actually holding on to nutrients for the farmer and it's the most available type of nutrient that's there in, in that sediment. And uh, uh, once it gets into the river, uh, it can actually 
impacts very seriously on the habitat of the river because the river, river's habitat is typically the bed of the river where the insects live. And if that gets clogged with, with silt or any kind of um, sediment, it's um, you know they have the, the actual the living spaces for the for the insect life there is, is impacted. Thank you, Lane. Lane Giles, ASAP advisor with Chagask in the west of the county. And that's our Farm Talk programme. My thanks to colleagues Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig for helping to source material and contributing in general to the programme, including production. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'm John O'Connor. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.